From the studios of Teeing It Up in the Swamps of Jersey, this is Teeing It Up Presents. Um, Saturday, July 24th, the uh, 2021. We are in the Olympics, and we are also a couple weeks after monumental lifetime events. And we welcome in for that. Danny Flecka back to Teeing It Up with Jeremy Schilling for this edition of Teeing It Up Presents. Good afternoon, Danny. Good afternoon. All right, since we last talked, you got married. Since we last talked, Italy won the Euros. And since we last talked on this show, Italy won the Euros during the day that you got married. (laughs) I mean, just... For those who weren't there, I I can't express to you how monumental this is for every single person who is there and every single person who cared about soccer, who cared about Euros, who has linked back to the Italy, um, you you know, linked back to Italy and just linked back to everything that, that what Italian soccer represents and to see you dive in and out of... The, the cocktail hour, trying to make sure that you had everything covered and you were out there and and, and then eventually winning this thing in, in PKs. Um, God, I, I cannot imagine from a sports standpoint where your head was at and how things were going come, you know, two, three weeks ago. Yeah, I mean, I, I definitely did a plan on... Uh Italy playing uh, in the final. Uh, you know, 2021 wasn't supposed to have the Euros at all. Um, and it was one of those things that the tournament went along, you know, conversations I was having with my friends and everything was like, there's, an, you know, the way Italy's playing, if things go right. And I think, you know, we talked about it multiple times. Like, I still often, you know, in my heart of hearts, I didn't think they would get to the final. Um, I felt, you know, I thought that they had a tough road, that they were a young team, that they were learning how to win, so, you know, it might take them some time to, to reach that pinnacle. Um, but after each game, you know, confidence grew in myself that, you know, they could potentially do it. And for it to have fallen on the day that, you know, I had my wedding was an interesting situation, right, because you have so many things going on that day, so many emotions, so many people to talk to, uh, you know, just praying that things go right, that there are no big hiccups with with the day and the event itself. Uh, throw into that, you know, as a, as a passionate sports fan, one of my favorite teams playing in a championship game against a team that, you know, I, I wanted them to beat. Um, and throughout the day, you know, I... I you know, I'll be honest, I didn't feel ner- that nervous as the wedding approached, but as the game approached, I felt a little bit more nervous for that because I knew I wouldn't be able to watch it. Um, and I think any sports fan, you know, when their teams are playing, especially in big games, you want to see every single second. You want to see every single play, every single thing. Even if it's a bad outcome, you kind of want to see how that happened because you want to be able to then either justify it, analyze it, whatever it is. Um, so, I mean, for me, you know, we stepped on the bus after the, the ceremony um, and we got the game on the iPad in the first minute, you know, England scored. And I was like, ah, here we go. Like, this is not going to be good. Um, and then from there, I really didn't watch any of the game until probably the 65th minute. 
Um, and when we're driving again in the bus, we have the iPad on. And right when Italy's about to score, the iPad freezes. <laughs> and we don't get service probably like two or three minutes, so we have no idea what's happening with the scores or anything like that. Um, and then we get the cocktail hour. And again, like you said, I'm in and out, barely watching it. Um, but then obviously had the opportunity to, to sit down and watch the penalty kicks with a majority of the people that were there. Um, and I think what I take out of it is that sports, like anything else, is an opportunity to hang out with the people that, that you love, the, your friends, your family, um, you know, people that share similar interests. And the one thing I take away from the game itself and, and the day was that I was able to spend it with a lot of people who felt the same way that I do about what we were watching that I maybe and most likely would not have been with uh, to watch that game. Um, and that was great to be able to share that experience with a bunch of family and friends, um, not only celebrating, you know, what it is that, that I was doing that day, which was getting married, but also, um, you know, a win for a team that, you know, I, I hold very close, uh, you know, to my heart for, you know, for nu- numerous reasons. Not going to put people's names out there but i was on a bus so they're in this van and i saw the ipad get into uh the van and somebody in that moment said that's the most important thing going in the van (laughs) which i mean we've got rings dresses all this stuff and somebody's ipad's the most important thing but anyway (laughs) i'm on the bus to the venue and i hear they lost service right as the ball was going in and i having service and I'm in a place in whatever route we were taking to get to the uh, venue that had service and I'm trying to give the somebody else information that could be useful while I'm not texting anybody because I want to stay out of the way uh, it was it was one to behold um, let's actually talk about this from a soccer standpoint which is this is obviously a huge win for Italy just to give folks kind of a context what does this mean for Italy and what does this mean for England? Because obviously their, their suffering uh, continues. But what does this mean for each side? Yeah, for, for Italy, my biggest takeaway was, you know, you heard a lot throughout the tournament about, you know, their failed uh, opportunity to make the World Cup in 2018. Um, and then, you know, their massive rebuild that they've undergone with their national team and the project that they have there. Uh and for me, what I, I take away from it was that you had a, a hungry team uh, that was riding. It's sort of like a revenge tour, so to say, you know, so to speak, you know, where they were looking to show people that, that the, the failed opportunity to make the World Cup wasn't what this team was really about. Um, but I saw a, a young, hungry team led by some veterans um, in the back with Chiellini and Benucci that, probably knew themselves that this was probably their last tournament um, that they were going to be playing and putting on the shirt uh, for their national team. Um, and that coupled with the, the ferocity of that team and the players on that team and the coaching on that team, you know, led them to victory. I think they're in a good spot moving forward. Uh, their core players are, are, you know, in their mid-20s. Uh, they'll have to replace, you know, some of their the players on this team, I think that they're a little old up front, you know, with um, Immobile and Insigne, who are both, you know, very important to this run that they had. So they're going to have to, you know, bring in some new talent as they start their qualification for the 2022 World Cup. 
Um, and obviously replacing Benucci and Killing is going to be a huge task, but, you know, history of that team is that they are able to produce those types of players and and uh, develop those types of players, so I'm not too worried there. But um, I think that this team is definitely set up for long-term success as long as they keep, you know, the, the project in place and they follow the, the regimen that they've been following. Um, they could be a team that could, you know, have a little mini run here, but I think that they still might get caught up a little bit against some better teams. You know, that, that Spain game was a little worrying. It's a really bad matchup for them. Um, they avoided France, and who knows what France will look like in 2022. Um, and obviously, in the World Cup, you get the South American teams that, that, that play, and they just play a, a very physical brand of soccer. Um, but it was, you know, a, a great, reclamation project by Mancini, the coach, to institute his style of play that he wanted his team to develop into, and I think we're seeing that translate because a lot of these kids that are on the team now have been playing for, with each other for a long time, and I think that that's just going to keep continuing throughout the youth ranks on the national team, and Italy, I think, might be back in a situation where they're in that conversation every single time there's a major tournament that they could be one of the winners. As for England, I think the takeaway for me in that game, in the tournament in general, is they need to be a little bit more aggressive and I think play a little bit more of a offensive style of soccer. I think, you know, once they scored, they kind of sat back, and I mentioned that when I was watching the game with, with people when they scored. It was a terrible start to the game, but I, I knew that England would just try to sit back, absorb pressure, and hold off, but you can't defend for long stretches of time like that against you know quality teams. So I think England needs to find a way to institute all that talent that they have on that team, find the best eleven that can carry out that plan, and play a little bit more straightforward rather than play in a more pragmatic style. Which is you know we're gonna look to hit on counters, we'll, we'll hold possession, but we'll defend deep. I think that with the talent that they have, it, it's a the wrong approach. Um, before we get to movement in college football, we're going to talk to Danny Flecker here on Teeing It Up in a moment um, about this. I just want to touch on the Packers. Um, Devontae Adams is also not happy. Uh, is anybody happy with the Packers right now? doesn't seem like it. If I'm Devontae Adams, I, I think it's the, the right move. Why would you hit your wagon to a team where you don't even know who the quarterback's going to be, and you have a, a backup in Jordan Love that you've never played with before, and you've never seen him take an NFL snap. Um, I, I'm not, you know, I'm not surprised Devontae Adams is like, I'm going to wait here a little bit. I'm not going to sign anything that's going to put me in a situation where then I have to, you know, struggle the rest of my career here. You know, he has a very short window where he has the ability that he has left in him. Um, he's had a very dominant stretch the last couple of years, but. You know, him playing with Aaron Rodgers makes him, I think, who he is, and I think he knows that. And why would he, you know, want to stay on a team where he won't be able to get that that type of production and see himself suffer from there? So I'm not surprised at all to see that just, uh, when I saw that news that Devontae Adams was like, yeah, I'm going to gonna hold off here and wait and see or, you know, request a trade, whatever it may be, depending on what Aaron Rodgers does. Um. So, we got that with the Packers. Now we move to college where it um, looks like two founding members of the Big 12 
want to hitch their wagons to the SEC in Texas and Oklahoma. I This one came out of nowhere. I didn't see this coming. Um, I don't know how the Big 12 survives. Uh, there was a report this morning that the American Athletic Conference, also known as the AAC, is now looking at teams in the Big 12 as teams they could potentially poach. And uh, I just don't see how this comes out on the good end for anybody. And I think this is money talking, sadly, and not for the uh, students, uh, student athletes, not for the fans, not for anything. I just don't, I don't see it. I don't see it, Danny. I, I, I do not see where what the upside is for anybody in this. Yeah, I, I don't either. I, I I think I you know, was reading up on it and it's a lot of it maybe to do with the expanding college football uh playoffs that you know, putting themselves in a situation where they play better teams might, you know, guarantee them each and every single year of a of a college football playoff berth. Um you know, it's not too dissimilar to what we saw potentially with, you know, the Super League in soccer, right, where these teams, like, are, are putting themselves in a situation where they're guaranteed revenue, they're guaranteed spots, they, they don't have to um, stress themselves out with the scheduling or one loss, the non-conference game, whatever it is. But I look at, I look at Texas specifically and, and say to myself, they haven't won the Big 12 in years. What the, what do they think they're going to do in the SEC? And I get that it can open up some recruiting pipelines and stuff like that for them, um, but I just don't see how they can compete successfully in the SEC, given that they have enough trouble winning in the Big Twelve. Um, yeah, you're moving to a harder conference. Yeah, I mean, you're even if the college football playoff expands to twelve teams, you still have good teams in the Big Ten. Um, and I'm sure that, you know, the Big Ten is looking at this and saying, well, what do we do now? Um, maybe they try to go after somebody. But the Big Ten, you know, you have you know, Ohio State. I think Michigan is going to have uh, a bounce-back year, and they might be able to change the tide there a little bit. Penn State recruits well and does well. So, you know, those are three teams there that are fighting for the college football playoff. In the ACC, you know, you have – Clemson, um, that's going to dominate that conference every single year, but you know, the ACC looks like with North Carolina now coming into it a little bit, that they might be a program that's fighting for a spot in the, in the college football playoff. Um, and then you have the Pac-12, you know, Oregon, who's always a perennial you know, team that's going to be in there in the discussion in the playoff. I think USC will, will have, again, a bounce-back year. I think that they could be uh, a topic you know, with the, the team that they have. Um, and I'm sure that they'll only get stronger as you know, recruiting gets, gets back to normal and, and things shift back to the way that they used to be. And, but then in the, in the SEC, you have Bama, LSU, Florida, Georgia, um, Auburn, you know, every, every couple of years. And Texas A&M, those are five teams, including if you throw in there Oklahoma, that you're competing against. Even if there's 12 teams, there's no guarantee that you're going to get in there. I I just don't see it from a Texas standpoint. From an Oklahoma standpoint, I I think that they could handle the SEC. 
but why would you leave a conference that you've been dominating for the past 10, 15 years to just go play against teams that you're not going to be able to, to beat as as easily or, you know, comp- you know I, I don't know. I just don't see it. I want to talk about Rutgers for a second um, because I think they're a very interesting example here, and I and I don't have it. Admittedly, the Texas or Oklahoma um, 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 Olympic sport uh, math. Um, uh, sorry for for the Olympic sports. You know what their records are are strategically, but we have seen the long road in many sports that the Rutgers of the world have had when they've changed conferences. And it's a hard one to walk. And then you look at what this would potentially do in non-men's basketball, non-women's basketball, non-football. And I would argue it's even more of an uphill climb for some of these sports. And yeah, it gets them more money, but I would rather play in a conference that I know that I can be competitive in than have all the money in the world. I'll be honest about that. And I just don't see some of the upsides here. Yeah, I think for Texas and Oklahoma, you're getting recruits now. You're getting good recruiting classes now. But if you're looking to go and recruit an SEC country where – Bama, A&M, Auburn, LSU, Florida, Georgia have all really kind of like staked their claim. I think it's going to be hard. Maybe you see some of those commits that maybe were going to to Bama and LSU from the Texas area, um, you know, go to Texas now because they're in the SEC if they get into the SEC. But even then, like, I don't know if they win those battles for those players that are that are outside those territories. I still think that the top-notch players are going to go to programs like Alabama, Ohio State, Florida, and and Georgia just because of, one, location, two, you know, their their ability in in the past to get those types of recruits. I I just don't know what Texas is is thinking here. Um, Maybe they're just jealous of A&M. And the success that they've had in the SEC, and see that as a as a path for them, and be like, maybe we can replicate that. Um, but in a football standpoint, I, I think it's going to be really tough for Texas to have any sort of success and leapfrog teams, especially if they're in a conference in the conference with Alabama, LSU, and A and M, which is probably where they'd be aligned. You know. Those are three tough teams that you're going to have to beat every single year. I, I just don't think that they have that in them. What the heck do the people in the college football playoff do when all this gets shaken out? I mean, I, I guess this would have to go with expansion because at four, like it is right now, I don't think you're going to get – I don't think – the, the in, in in my mind the conference even if you're looking at a Mississippi State even if you're looking at a Vanderbilt one of them could could have a great night because I would argue that at times these second tier schools can be better than schools in the Big Twelve um, so why not show everything you have in the Big Twelve than having to rely on your performance every single solitary week in the SEC. Um, to stake your claim as to why you should be a part of the college football playoff. I don't see it. Yeah, I, I 
think if they do go to the SEC, it almost forces the expansion um, yeah. of the college football playoff because whoever, if the Big 12 even exists after, after their move, you need to be able then to say, we got to get more teams in here that are going to be competitive because the Big 12 will automatically lose two of its best teams. Um, and then, you know, the Pac-12, ACC, and Big 10 aren't going to fill the rest of those spots. So you almost have to expand it. And then the expansion, I think, is almost fixed anyway because then you're going to have to take four or five teams from the SEC just to kind of fill it out. So I think expansion to eight or 12 teams, um, I'd be in favor of eight teams. I think 12 teams is a little too much. Um, but I think, you know, what, what you and I were talking about, uh, you know, briefly the other day, if you're looking at expansion, I think you just take the top teams that make the, the conference championships in, in the conferences and then say, okay, well, Instead of playing a conference championship game, you know, we're just going to get rid of that. And the top two teams that would have played in the conference championship game go into this college football playoff, and, and you duke it out there. Um, that's what I would propose, but I highly doubt that that would be something that the college football committee would go after. Um, there's, there's a lot of different directions we can go with this. Um, and then there's Mike Leach who wants a 64-team playoff, which is like, huh? What? <laughs> Like, okay, hold on. Uh, nothing against Mike Leach. I, I just saw that headline and it's like, nah, I don't think. I think at some point the, 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 the student-athlete concept does come back and you got to make sure that everybody's getting their, uh, their um, time in the classroom happening. Um, you know, we were talking before about um, Danny, you know, trying to figure out what's useful and what's not useful and what uh, from from various kinds of sports and you were saying that for you it's all about the injuries it's all about what's happening to these guys because as somebody who is a part of fantasy sports you need to know not only what the injury is but how long they're going to be out for the important part of this time of year is that you're praying that the players that you want to watch every single week are staying healthy and that there are no issues. Um, you know, we see every single year, unfortunately, it's unavoidable, some of the injuries that happen. Um, but you want to make sure that the top-tier players are, are going to be out there. You want to see it both from, uh, you know, from a fantasy perspective because, you know, people invest money and are very passionate about that, but also from a viewing perspective. When I tune in on Sunday, I want to see the top players for each team out there on the field so I can enjoy the game um, to its fullest. You know, we don't want to see what we saw last year, you know, with the obviously COVID is a, a special situation, but you want to see the top players every single week. So I think that's the most important part of this time of year is just making sure that these players are are healthy for when it comes, you know, week one. And I think that's the most important part and the biggest takeaway I take each and every day after I hear about what the practice reports are because, again, I want to make sure that I'm going to be able to sit down and watch you know, not only for my team, but any team, you know, the best players out there. And we will let Daniel Jones have his uh, much, much better um, times 
in actual games and not uh, in training camp when you have no idea what the impact of going two for seven will actually be. Um, one thing here, just, just to kind of bring this full circle and to end this, Danny, um, you look at what Italy did and you look at the fact that we're in this bizarre way because of the pandemic where we're about to have um, you know, after we do this, we're about to have the World Cup, um, and just the way this is going, uh, have you had a second to step back and realize, holy moly, look at what's happened this summer? Yeah, I think it's been an interesting summer from Memorial Day on, right, because not only have we seen places open up around here, but there's still a lot of places in this world that are not where we are, and we are starting to see, too, some, I don't know if I want to say negative impacts of opening up, but some, some speed bumps. And the hope is that, you know, what we've been, the, the way that we've been riding as far as experiences, opportunities, um, travel, fans being back in the stadiums, you know, that that keeps going and that we don't shoot ourselves in the foot um, because, you know, we opened back up. And I think that, you know, Personally, if we go backwards instead of forwards, I think that would be almost worse than us having to have lived the last year and a half that we had. Um, because, you know, we saw the light at the end of the tunnel. We, we burst through it and, the, you know, so to speak, smack into a wall after that would be really, really disappointing. So, the, you know, I, I think my hope is that as we continue to move forward, as, you know, schools get back in session, as, as new sports leagues start back up again and have the opportunity to have fans back into the stadiums that we're able to kind of just put this behind us and go back to what we all enjoy and that is spending time with our friends and families and, and you know going to these games and experiencing these games from a fan perspective because I think that that would go a long way to allowing people just to feel better now, obviously I'm speaking from a, a sports standpoint obviously there's a lot of yeah. other things that people need to worry about but I think from a sports perspective um, I'm really excited to see what week one in the NFL is going to look like or in college with packed stadiums the atmosphere back I, I you know it almost gives me goosebumps thinking about tuning in to watch those games uh, in September amen to that amen to that Danny Flecka, congrats on getting married. Congrats on everything that's come uh, with seeing the team that you love so much uh, get the Euro 2020 title. And thank you, as always, for coming back on Teeing It Up with Jeremy Schilling. Uh, thank you, my man. I'll talk to you soon. You got it. And thank you, everybody. Much appreciated. Take care, everybody. Oops.